0: betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc
1: a christmas miracle more like a christmas butt whooping in san francisco this week on pod like a raven Ravens 33, 49ers 19. Let me say this again. Ravens 33, 49ers 19. I am Antonio Barbera, and I'm jacked up to be talking Ravens football. After one of the most bizarre starts to the NFL game of the season, it was your Baltimore Ravens who made big play after big play, forced turnovers, tacked on points, executed drives. The Ravens are now Super Bowl favorites, not technically, and Lamar Jackson is the MVP favorite, technically. Let me bring in my co-host to talk about one of the best Ravens wins in a very, very long time, Jace Evans. Whew. How you feeling? Coming off, first of all, coming off the holidays, Merry Christmas to both of you, but coming off the holidays, watching all those dumb games Sunday, maybe watching some of the Monday, and then having that peak Ravens primetime win in San Francisco. How you doing? I'm doing great
2: Antonio Merry Christmas uh, to both of you guys uh yeah I, this was I think certainly the most unexpected win of the season I feel like I was saying even before the season kicked off that this felt on paper like the biggest like most obvious loss on the Ravens entire schedule at San Francisco on Christmas night uh and to to go and win and not just win but dominate largely uh for for certainly, uh, the way this game went i did not kind of anticipate you know you get these five turnovers just to kind of make a statement i didn't see that coming and so all those things combined i think it made it like one of the, certainly the most satisfying victory of the year most fired up i've been and i think you mentioned among the best wins in a while i think you have to go back to that win over the chiefs week 2 2021 season uh i think this is their biggest win since then in terms of just like how i felt in the immediate aftermath of the game, even during the game, um, it's the biggest statement they've made since then, like their most exciting uh, game for what it means for their season, or could mean. Uh, yeah, just really fired up. Didn't expect uh, to be talking about a win when we uh, signed off last week, so it, it's great to be here today uh, and get to reflect with you all on this game that, yeah, I mean, the sky's the limit for this team. We'll obviously get into it more, but... <laughs> uh, you know, they, if there weren't expectations before, there's real expectations now because this
1: team can win the Super Bowl. Tim Horsey, Tim, how are you doing? I, the same. I ask you the same question.
3: How are you doing this Tuesday as we record? I'm better hearing Jace Evans saying this team can win the Super Bowl because you know we are we are the hive mind of Pod, like a Raven, Jason, I of the ultimate pessimist. But I kind of feel the same way. Um, that was a San Francisco stomping. That was an utter obliteration of the best team in the league, quote-unquote. Um, not to be the hot take guy because, God forbid, we get subtweeted about that. But having like the whole MVP conversation completely shift because Brock Purdy got found out by us. like We were the people to find him out. Doing it all on Christmas night. I was a mess leading up to eight fifteen, 15 um, And then to come in and the the weird safety we'll talk about. And then moving on from that to get to where we are at sitting right now with, I can't stop scrolling the Ravens Instagram page because of all the stupid content. I mean, not stupid. It's, it's very good content. The social team is great. But, like, just the abundance of content they're putting out with, here's this victory dance. Here's this touchdown again. <laughs> Lamar escaped this guy. Here's this fun thing that happened. It's It's... It is so much fun to be a Ravens fan right now. um, and you know, I'm long story short, Antonio, I am doing great after that, and I cannot wait to talk about it with you, guys.
1: You know, we go back and forth with recapping these games in terms of offense, defense, first half, second half. I mean we can pick and choose it's it's good all over the place. The thing I will say to start is, and we have to remind ourselves, the three of us have to remind ourselves of this every week, every season. Lamar Jackson will give you a chance to win every single football game. It doesn't yep. matter where the game is. It doesn't matter how good the other team is. doesn't matter how many points you think the other team's going to score. X's and O's, Jimmy's and Joe's, all that stuff. He is in every game. There's a reason all that underdog stuff exists. The record is good. The against the spread stuff is is excellent. And we have him in December playing really good football. Wasn't even his best game by a mile, but, you know, the highlight for him, the whole like, you know, what's the narrative play? What's the MVP conversation play? Probably that 30-yard run at the end of the first half, but he made throw after throw throughout the game, didn't turn the ball over, had a few splashy plays, got his touchdowns, avoided the turnovers. And had the the perfect game, given who you're playing and where you're playing. Um, I'm I'm so impressed. He continues to kind of turn the page as the complete quarterback. Got to do it in a major profile game. And is now your favorite to become a two-time NFL MVP. Obviously, it's not guaranteed. But a, a, a really nice encapsulation of his season, of his progression... Um, as an all-around, just out- unbelievable, outstanding MVP quarterback <laughs> in a in a high-profile high-profile game. And it's
2: funny, Antonio, because I, I'm kind of with you in that. Like, I feel like I don't feel too differently about Lamar. Like in this game, I felt like he might have even had, like like watching it live, I felt like his game kind of against Jacksonville might have been like more spectacular in terms of just crazy plays. I guess we talked about like the likely play, but. You're so right. I mean, he was just so in control. And, and I, the no turnovers is the biggest thing, because that's obviously a thing we've harped on him with the stupid turnovers. And while that safety was very stupid and was his fault, not the ref's fault <laughs> for running 20 yards backwards into the end zone uh, and then taking a grounding, you know, that's Lamar's fault. But he, from that moment on, I thought he was great. I mean they they score on seven straight drives against the Niners uh, in this game once they got rolling, which is apparently something that I read in Jeff Zarebic's piece that the Niners haven't given up drives or scores on seven straight drives in 18 years, and there's been plenty of bad Niners teams in that span too. So it's just a hard thing to do, and it's an especially hard thing to do against what is, yeah, the perceived best team in the league with a great defense at third place. I just thought... Um, it it was, uh, you know, just a masterful performance and the MVP conversation. It's weird. I'm not sure that I personally (laughs) think Lamar should be MVP. I'm not really sure who it should be it's kind of a weird season in that respect there's days i think it should be josh allen but if the bills don't make the playoffs how can he be there's days i think matt stafford might be the best quarterback in the league and yet you look and he's you know i know he missed some games but he's not like there's like five guy five or six guys ahead of him in every single category so it's a weird year but certainly few teams ask their quarterback to do as much as lamar i thought you saw it in this game he leads them in rushing once again um, and the pass yards, and yeah, just the lack of turnovers, too. Uh, I didn't think he held the ball too much. Uh, that was a thing we were kind of complaining about against Jacksonville. I thought he did a pretty good job, job for in that respect. So yeah, I mean, I thought he was just another great game. And it, it's just insane. Like, I... To have these two performances back to back, and who knows? We'll talk about the, the still two big games to determine some stuff. But if he doesn't completely collapse, he, he's going to probably win the MVP again. And I just going back in time and telling me there's a world where the Ravens would have like a two time MVP quarterback is hard to imagine when I'm I'm sitting watching like twelve to ten games in two thousand
3: five. <laughs> Yeah, when I watched Kyle Bowler on his knees throw it through the uh, uprights, I knew that guy was definitely – no, I'm kidding. Um, I think it's interesting what you say, Jace, of like your opinion hasn't really changed. I agree. I think the MVP thing is – and not to be cynical, what, eight, nine minutes into this podcast already, but I think it's more about the parody of like they can't figure out who the MVP should be. Like Brock Purdy was the MVP favorite before this game, and – we all just figured out Brock Purdy. Everybody lot, just figured out yeah. Brock Purdy uh, that that he is just a guy in a good system that faltered against a really good defense that was really pissed off about being five and a half point underdogs, which we'll get to. But um, what I what I. And the Jacksonville game is kind of the same here. What I learned about Lamar Jackson or maybe kind of just reinforced because you know this already and, and, and Antonio mentioned it as well is if he doesn't beat himself, nobody's beating that guy. And it was the perfect amalgamation of everything that we have talked about with Lamar where you know, clearly he's talented. Clearly he can make all the throws. The arm angle stuff is ridiculous in the best way possible. Like a mobile Matt Stafford in the way that he can just get the ball out at any sort of angle around any sort of defender and also make them miss, which Matt Stafford obviously can't do. But with that, there was always the kind of like, we're trying too hard, we're holding the football too long. Maybe, and I I think I made this speech, was it last week or maybe uh, two weeks ago, of maybe this is just what we have to do as Ravens fans of learn how to appreciate a different kind of quarterback and learn how to deal with the oh my god oh my god get rid of it get rid of it get rid of it because that is what he's going to do and 95 percent of the time it's going to be successful and tim just shut up you're on the couch like calm down it's going to be fine and i went into this game kind of thinking that you know ball of nerves obviously but kind of when when the ravens were on offense kind of having that in my head of like look don't get worried about the whole seven seconds you know whatever even with Nick Bosa coming off the edge and Chase Young coming off the edge. By the way, didn't really hear a peep out of them. Get to that later as well. But part of the reason you didn't hear the peep is because not only was Lamar making people miss, not only was Lamar making plays, not only was Lamar doing the crazy fun arm angles and and doing the Lamar stuff, but he was getting the freaking ball out too, man. Like, he was back foot zip pass go move and it clearly was a message from that off from the um the offensive coaching staff i think you're really seeing again hand up fans point of view guy who doesn't watch the all all 22 or whatever it seems like they're all clicking on all cylinders where todd munkin realizes that yeah lamar's gonna have to kind of be the guy especially in the run game you know with explosive plays because keaton mitchell just isn't there anymore but we can also rely on him to make every throw anytime we need it with the weapons that he has. And they are clicking, man. And, like, look, I don't think they played a fantastic game. You know, hindsight, if they lose this game and we're talking about it, we're probably saying there was some plays left on the table, and that's fine. But they did what they needed to do, I think, on that, on that side of the football, especially because how the defense played. But I was just so impressed with – the the game management the making plays when you need to and the acute awareness of knowing that you can't really give this Niners defense which is incredible by the way not giving them any little chance at the football you know not giving them any sort of angle any sort of opening and just doing what you do best and they they ripped them apart man they really did and I was it was really impressive to watch and yeah that that will be one that's on the TiVo. Like anytime I'm feeling down or we lose to the freaking Cardinals or something on an overtime field goal, just be like, "You know what? Let's go back to the glory days of Thanksgiving with old Jack and Tim sitting up there on the couch watching the game and having a great time."
1: When we previewed this last week, I think all three of us had a similar analysis in the fear of what was going to happen when the Ravens had the ball and that was the struggles of the offensive line and the tackles, who were both banged up, just getting smoked on every play and Lamar having to run for his life. The tackles played okay. They held up just enough. Uh, they did the rotation of the tackles, which I think has been a nice, uh, a nice idea that's worked moderately well. But it doesn't even matter, which is, I don't know another quarterback where this doesn't even matter because he's doing the stuff out of the pocket through the system, how it's supposed to be designed. He's scrambling when there's an opening and he takes his seven yards. But yep. there's the third facet that he alone has developed that maybe be Mahome's, but it's different with him. Jackson will now do the thing where, oh, there's pressure. I'm just gonna analyze the situation calmly, find this little seam, and we just reset the pocket all over again. And he's able to do that like three times a play play after play after play after play it is exhausting for the defensive lineman he ends up not taking hits he constantly has i can still run here and i can still throw here which is how he gets the gus edwards throw for you know the three yard dump off that goes for 50 yards (laughs) because the linebacker is adjusting to the previous play when he broke out of the pocket and actually ran this time the linebacker has to immediately run at lamar and it just opens this wide open gap And he's, he's like resetting what a pocket is in the NFL over and over and over again. And he's completely comfortable while doing it and aware of exactly where these defensive linemen are at all times. It is, it's mind boggling (laughs) at how the last, I don't know, a couple of months, maybe even less than that, he's been able to do this uh, over and over and over again. And it makes the job of the tackles and the linemen kind of easier. Just pick a direction to push him. It doesn't have to be perfect. I'll fix it, I'll adjust, I'll step up, I'll slide over, and then we start all over again. That, that, that is what I think he's been able to do. He did that a ton against the Jags, as Jace mentioned, and he was able to do it here when we thought that was going to be the biggest pain point for the offense, and it wasn't at all. Some other names, some other offensive guys that whew, I've, I've enjoyed. Um, Isaiah Likely is a playmaking tight end. He is not a replacement to Mark Andrews. That's nice to see one of the most exciting stiff arms I've seen uh, from a Raven <laughs> in a very long time with the uh, get off me uh you know yards after the catch zay flowers from the first quarter of this game made it obvious to everyone he wants the ball he wants the bright lights he's not over you know kind of over excited or too jacked up in a big game he wants the ball he wants to make big plays he's not afraid that he's 5 foot 9 you know 100 a a hundred something <laughs> uh, pounds. Um, and that is going to, like, seeing that from a rookie now, I have confidence in him in January in playoff football games, not kind of, you know, oh, they're down seven in the third quarter, like, haven't heard from Zay Flowers in, in an hour. No, no, no. He is going to be involved. He wants the ball. He wants to make plays uh, after he gets the ball in his hands. Um, anything else, guys, from, from you, what you saw offensively uh, from players or from Scheme or, or anything else? Not too much on my end Tim did you have anything you wanted
2: to add I I mean
3: I love I'd love I'd say it likely you know (laughs) we we could talk about we could talk about I'm pretty sure his Instagram handle is da gorilla which just in like wait till wait till we have Mark Andrews and that guy and Zay Flowers and the corpse of Rashad Bateman and maybe (laughs) Odell Beckham Jr like it's gonna be a lot a lot of fun stuff going on but I think yeah I think Antonio (laughs) makes the point brilliantly there of he is not just replacement level. He is like a guy that they can rely on. That Lamar is going to as well. And as you kinda of mentioned too, the only other offensive guy I have there is um Zay shows up for the big games, man. Like Zay, as you mentioned, is a guy for this and and this is gonna sound cynical, and I don't mean it to sound cynical. Almost like it's almost like, oh man, he's having too much fun, like planning the celebrations because he knows he's so good <laughs> that I'm waiting for the diva to come out because he's like a sweet, innocent little child at this point, like just like I'm a rookie and I'm killing these guys and this is great and I love everything. And then right, he's not gonna be a diva. I'm just the very that's like the back of my brain, like creeping up the. The crippling like anxiety coming through of what can make this go wrong. Uh, I thought he was I thought he was spectacular. Uh, it continues to be a pick where, you know, obviously don't watch him as much, but you look at the Jackson Smith and Jigbas and the Quentin Johnson and Jordan Addison, who has had a, a really good rookie year. I wouldn't want any of those guys um, ahead of Zay. And if you don't know, those those four receivers were all picked. Back-to-back-to-back-to-back in the NFL draft. And I think Zay Flowers is the best of the bunch. He's not just a gadget guy. He's not just a little dude in space that you can throw a screen. He is a legit wide receiver. And on screens, too, I should say this because it rang true. You know, I watched the game with my father. We're we're, at Christmas uh, having a good time. And I think I've said this on the show before. My dad has the most old man take that I actually believe is that the Ravens can't do screens and can't defend (laughs) screens and was screaming at the television. This is a guy who watches most games, not all games, but, you know, he's watched him his whole life uh, or since 96, I guess, if not his whole life. You're not that old dad. Don't worry about it. Um, And it's the one where you're like you want to roll your eyes but then your eyes roll back the other way because he's absolutely right that they can't do it. Zay is that the breaker of that rule. <laughs> Zay can run screens. Zay can do screens for the Ravens. The Ravens can do screens with Zay. So, you know, old man fan sitting on the couch take but it's just it's it's fun to watch this offense and how they're clicking and I I I'm not going to say anything bad. I just, I hope it continues the way it's continued. The the only other
2: thing I was going to touch on with the the offense Antonio was the uh, what, and what I like to see is cause I forget which one of you mentioned it, but um, there were points left on the table. I I would say in the first half, this wasn't a perfect game by any means. And I think, you know, you know, it is hard to have a perfect game against a team that is, you know, the Niners are still the number one seed even today after losing this game. They're a really good football team, probably going to be the one seed Um, So you're not going to get a perfect game against a good team necessarily, but you know, you get these, and I think this is sort of, we can dovetail off of this, but uh, into the other side of the ball, but you get these, these three turnovers in the first half, but you only really turn that into 10 points uh, because you take the safety uh, off of one of them. And then um, you have two other, uh, you know, you have to settle for a field goal after one of the picks. They do get a touchdown off of one, but Uh, It's only a four point game at the half. Uh, And so I think what I liked with the offense was the killer instinct in the second half when they get some turn, they get a stop, they get some turnovers uh, and they score two touchdowns in the span of 18 game seconds, basically like consecutive offensive plays with touchdowns. And just in that sequence, uh, they're able to kind of stick the knife in it and and force like kind of end the game right there. And that's I feel like something we just haven't seen a ton of uh, at times from the Ravens offense necessarily. And so that that was I think the most encouraging thing was when when they were gifted opportunity especially in the second half to put the game away, they uh, mostly until the very end uh seized it in, in, the, in that early kind of third quarter sequence. And that's something I do feel like was lacking cuz it was hairy, but you know, the offense they put the hammer down and, and blew it open um when they were presented with the opportunity to, and that's kind of what you have to do in the NFL when every team is pretty much the same as we've seen this season and with the MVP debate. So that was the only other thing on the offense I, I just kind of wanted to touch on was was how how kind of huge that, that
1: ability and that sequence was for them. I want to quickly go over the Ravens score three touchdowns in this game, and they are perfect microcosms of like three different ways to score in the National Football League. One is the one yard, give it to Gus Edwards, and let him smash it in, and he does. The second one is the play structure doesn't really work. Lamar has to scramble. He rolls out, and Nelson Aguilar, like the perfect veteran adjusting of the route, Mm -hmm. finding the ball, finding Lamar against the sideline. And then the third touchdown To, to Zay Flowers. I need to go over this design because we have been covering this adjustment or this scheme idea that the Ravens have done all season. And they added another little layer, another little layer to it. It's the first play of the drive, which I love. It's first down and goal from the nine. It's the first play of the drive. And they set up Ronnie Stanley as basically as a tight end, an extra blocker on the right side of the line. We talked about this as a cool little scheme and how when they do that, you should probably be looking for them to run right in behind him. Because he's a good run blocker, and why the heck is he playing, you know, tight end, or why why is he an extra blocker on the right side when he's your left tackle? They line up, first down, four different 49ers crash to his side of the line, expecting a run right behind him, and Lamar just waits a second, zips it, directly past, like, all of their ears to a wide open, Zay Flowers. I love it. I love that. That's... An NFL offense, not just the Gus Edwards play over and over and over again. These three touchdowns are like why this offense can be great, even in a not perfect game. They're still able to do the Gus Edwards stuff. Lamar Jackson has added the when I scramble, I can still throw it and throw it for major gains and major successes. And also, look at this extra level that this offense is schemed, schemed to it that we can get easy scores, easy plays against really talented defenses. It's so good. It's so good. It's happening at the right time, and the Ravens score thirty-plus points again in a not perfect offensive performance. Okay, let me make sure. Tim, do I uh, do I have? Are you uh, are you on? Is the microphone on? Are are the headphones on? Oh yeah, I'm here. I'm ready. Let's talk defense. Let's turn this Let's... around to the defensive side of the football. Because, my goodness, did they have an impressive performance. I mean, this is almost an insult, but bend but don't break strikes again. But this time with hammer big plays, hammer big hits, speed laterally, power vertically against an offense that I thought was going to run the Ravens ragged all over the field. It did not happen, Tim. It did not happen. The Ravens stood up to, to the, the flashing creativity of the 49ers offense.
3: If you have kids in the car, you might want to skip ahead like ten seconds because I was very aroused by the <laughs> I'm just gonna let that one sit there for a second it was it, it was beautiful man like every every guy i i i got i got no scheme stuff for you I got no breaking down the analytics I got no this worked and this didn't that was a oh. We're five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Oh, you guys are the talk of the league. Oh, we're being disrespected this entire time. That defense, the whole the whole team heard it. I mean, Lamar Jackson calling out Mike Florio at every opportunity that he had, called him Mike Flores like multiple times. <laughs> it was absolutely incredible. Um, but the defensive side of the football, they knew, and they came out with a vengeance. I, I was watching, uh, again, with family, and – you know, I kind of was explaining to them, as 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 lax football fans, of, look, the Niners, this is before the game, the Niners are going to get their plays. Like, don't worry about it. They're going to get chunk plays. It's going to happen. Kind of maintain. And there was a couple, you know, the George Kittle, the Christian McCaffrey play. Um, but each of them had, like, a singular play. Maybe two, you know. And that was kind of it. And after that, the Ravens, man, just put their foot on the throat for the entire football game making play after play after play turn up turnover after turnover (laughs) after turnover and asserting dominance and frankly not to pick on him too much because god knows the rest of the the sports media world is doing this for the next couple of days making brock purdy look like a child look like a toddler on the football field not ready to deal with what was coming at him he was floored and yeah is the the next best thing since sliced bread, Kyle Shanahan, maybe not giving it to Christian McCaffrey enough, especially when he knows that his Mr. Irrelevant quarterback, who was literally the last pick in the draft last year, was flummoxed by the entire thing. Maybe, maybe a couple halfback dives, Kyle. Maybe just a couple halfback dives behind Trent Williams before he got hurt. No, didn't happen. The defense came out with a vengeance. They said, fine, you want to get cute with us? We're going to get physical with you. Patrick Queen saying, we play a brand of football that nobody in the league wants to play we i'll bring up the quote right now i have it i have it saved because it's in a group chat it might be in multiple group chats that i've sent out (laughs) today because it's one of my favorite things in the entire world quote we play a brand of football that people don't want to play everybody wants to be out here being cute playing basketball on grass kyle and stuff and we're not all with that you can do all that stuff we're just gonna hit you in the mouth every play honestly we couldn't care less about all the pretty stuff you do, gimmick stuff. You still have to line up and play football. You still have to get touched. So that's our mindset. That's that's how we came out, and we just want to hit people in the mouth. Again, <laughs> 10 seconds. I am aroused by what this defense is doing. It is a physical brand of football within the limits of what you can do today in in today's NFL and what have you, The the NFL that Bernard Pollard hates and all that fun stuff. But <laughs> – they are the most physical team I have seen in this modern era of we do not care about what you're doing on the offensive side of the football. You are going to feel us all day. The pressure from the guy, Jadavion Clowney, was awesome in this game. The constant pressure that this, off, that this defensive line got. Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen, just the terrible twosome in the middle of the defense. Kyle Hamilton is an all-pro Safety, there's nobody in the league better than Kyle Hamilton at what he does because there is nobody in the league that does what he does on a football field. The way he plays, deep, short, getting, getting chop blocked while being blocked and then getting up after being smashed by a right guard, pushing him off, and then making the interception. That type of stuff doesn't happen. Kyle Hamilton, I said this, I, I was talking to my, my parents last night watching this game. Or on Monday night, excuse me, watching this game. <clears throat> Kyle Hamilton is the Ed Reed of the box. He is the guy that doesn't play the deep center, And Yeah, uh, of course it was an exaggeration. I had a couple Jack and Gingers. That's fine. But he, is, he kind of plays that same way where Ed Reed was the... I'm just going to sit back here, coach. Don't worry, I'll make the play. Kyle Hamilton, obviously second-year guy, still playing within the scheme, but has the freedom to kind of be that roaming... I'm gonna f you up wherever I'm at type of player um some people would say Troy Palomalo. I would say overrated this <laughs> this this chess piece that he is playing right now on that in that in that front area of the defense is incredible and then you see him play make some plays like the first interception of of um one two four interceptions that Brock Purdy had last night the first one of four i say again uh was was a deep was a deep coverage play as well um it was it was a masterclass of ass kickery from the ravens defense and coming against that offense and that scheme and that that mind although you know you got christian mccaffrey kyle like everybody watching the game could tell you just run a couple halfback dives um he, all that being said i thought it was i thought it was absolutely brilliant they were they were unreal. They were unreal, and it was a it was a statement that they needed. Look, they gave up 103 yards rushing to Christian McCaffrey. Obviously, some of that came on the big play, um, the 39-yard run that he had. But other than that, kind of total domination from this team. Um, you know, you, you can you can tweet out the Debo hitting Marlin gif, <laughs> and I can tweet out the five interceptions and the number of hits that this Ravens defense had to, in response. It was. Specta, and again, you know, ap- apologies for the uh, sexual undertones. But again, <laughs> I'm aroused by this defense. I don't know what to tell you. It, I, I feel like I was not like losing my mind because
2: I understand why it's happening. But like the the Lamar is MVP stuff, and, and I guess just people's obsession with MVP, I do think kind of uh, obscured the story a little bit because that seems to be like the national talking point coming out of this game. But yeah, for me, Tim. It, the 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 point is how good this Ravens defense is, and, and you nailed it with like the mentality of the team and in, in particular, I'm freaking you know.
3: pissed off man. They're pissed off in the best way possible. I,
2: I thought Roquan Smith nearly knocked himself out, punching himself in the head in the the dub cam, saying "come to Baltimore next week" and mm-hmm. talking about paying lip service and playing between the lines and all that. And uh, <laughs> yeah, it, it's just really fun to watch. And I think the defense is like what. You know, I, we, we because we've talked on and off about them all season, right? Like, for a while, we thought this was an all-time special group. Uh, and then they uh, had a few not quite great as great games. Matt Stafford lit them up and, and stuff like that. But to me, I still think they're, you know, the, just the mentality they bring, I, I agree with you, is different than a lot of other teams. And I think it's what separates this Ravens team in particular from the rest of the NFL, because like I do think Lamar will probably win MVP, uh, as we talked about. I think he's deserving of it enough. Uh, his numbers don't pop out at you, but there's other quarterbacks that have a case, right? But like I think what separates the Ravens is other teams have good quarterbacks, but not every team has a defense like this. And, I mean, you mentioned the Kyle Hamilton. I... I I thought that first pick was so huge, huge um, and just set the huge. tone because the Niners were kind of rolling on that first drive. Kittle has that, what, like 50-plus yard reception and another big catch on that drive and they we the ravens go three and out to start the game and then they are just rolling down the field hit and kill and i'm like oh my god this is <laughs> this is going about as bad as i thought it could be and, and then he, he he steps in front in front of purdy and, and takes points off the board and i think it just totally kind of changed the flow of the game i mean you mentioned like purdy was in the torture chamber and he, he threw four picks i thought he could have thrown two more ronald darby should have had a pick on the three and out coming out of halftime um, Patrick Queen does get a hit. I mentioned that sequence. That's the sequence that basically won them the game. The defense three and out, immediate turnover on the next Niners play, and their offense scores twice. That seals the game, um, and you win that middle. That Tim, your favorite, the middle eight. Uh, they win. Yeah. The Ravens win that seventeen to seven, and they get those two TDs in eighteen seconds because of what the defense did. It was just, um, it was just so so impressive, and against a Niners team. Even in this game, I thought they had moments. Like, I, they they needed the turnovers, too. You mentioned, like, the bend but don't break Antonio. The, the Niners yeah. moved the ball a little bit, certainly. McCaffrey had, he got, uh, he did manage 100 yards on just 14 attempts. I agree that Kyle Shanahan definitely should have <laughs> ran the ball more than he did. Sure. Uh, but, um, yeah, I I don't know. I, the, the, there's so many great things to to say. I, I'm definitely, hopefully Kyle Hamilton's okay. We haven't seen further updates as we record this. Uh, but Harbaugh said we're fairly optimistic about everybody on Monday nights. So take that for what it will, but he's such a key piece. He might have to be the next Jersey purchase uh, over here. It's just incredible. Him, Roquan Smith, it's fun to watch. And and then they got after, you know, uh, just Darnold, especially late. They come up with some big kind of pin the ears back and, and get after him in the pass rush. I don't know. I can't say enough good things about them. I, I thought they were the story in this game. And, you know, I, I I think certainly you're playing a somewhat similar scheme, at least, in the coming week. It, it makes me optimistic that they can, you know, if you can do this against the Niners,
1: you can kind of do this against anybody, theoretically. Yeah, I'm definitely not going to bring up somebody in our group text uh uh, I'll say panic texting, uh, late in the game, that it was going to take an onside kick to win this to, to win this football game. I'll let the listener guess uh, who texted that. But I th- I don't think I've ever seen MVP favorite, stud quarterback get knocked out for a couple of plays. Try to come back in, and have the head coach basically say like. We're good for right now. <laughs> yeah. And that was a conversation that they had. And, boy, good on ESPN for, like, capturing it. Because you can tell that it's, a, like, um, I'm good to go back in. Like, I've been cleared health-wise. I'm going back in right. And Shanahan kind of gives him the, like, I mean, like, he, can't, he he puts up the, you know, the, the menu card in front of him. So you can't really see the words. But it kind of feels like, uh, look, we're going to ride... We're gonna ride with the other guy right now. We're gonna ride with Darnold after he put a drive together in your absence, but Yeah. I almost if I'm a Niners, if we're a Niners podcast, and we're gonna do this for two minutes because we're not a Niners podcast <laughs> podcast, but I thought it was really in- interesting. Is that almost a mistake? Are you almost losing the forest for the trees there if you're the 49ers head coach? Like, you're probably gonna lose this game. You're very, very likely gonna lose this game is showing your quarterback and the teammates who love him after you get a stinger, y- no, we're going to go with this, like, washed veteran <laughs> because he put up a scoring drive against a defense playing prevent to, like, take minutes off the clock. I feel like it was just, it's su- it, like, the value of that to, like, lose, have your quarterback lose a ton of confidence because guess who's playing next week? It's going to be Purdy to start. And now he knows that he's got a guy, like, breathing down his neck behind him as soon as he has a bad series. Like, I don't know. Be curious if I'm maybe I'm overthinking this or who cares about the 49ers. But what, what do you guys think about that? Harbaugh would not do that. I don't think he would do that with Lamar Jackson and be like, nah, we'll go with Huntley. Like, don't you worry. Uh, it'll be fine next week.
3: Well, he wouldn't because he has a quarterback that's starting that is much better than his backup. Like, this – i I've had really no opinion on the the Purdy thing. Obviously, he's better than, like, a scrub. Like, people are like, oh, he's ridiculous. He's also not the MVP. He's just not, based on the most valuable player to what they contribute to their team. Not to make the case for Lamar Jackson, but he literally – this team would crumble without him at quarterback, even with the defense that they have. He's just not that player. He's so, What's funny is he's somewhere in the gray area, and we're not allowed to do that anymore in the media. It's it's, hot take this, hot take that. Antonio, I can't believe you wanted to bench Lamar Jackson for this game. By the way, you absolute nut. Um, but if I'm if I'm a Niners fan, and, and I am the way that I am, which is ultimate pessimist, finding the negative, like finding the thing to be worried about, even in a resounding win, or completely overreacting to a resounding loss i am saying yeah um okay it got found out it got found out that purdy's not the dude and that kyle shanahan has to call when we get into january when you get into games against really 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 tough opponents over and over and over again kyle shanahan has to call a perfect game in tight situations but guess what the biggest flaw for kyle shanahan doesn't call a perfect game in tight situations 28-3 28-3 is his fault. It's like it it is objectively his fault that the Falcons did not win that Super Bowl. So I You have a limited quarterback in that area. It it, it would make me concerned. And again, it's one of those things of We might have uh on a on an off day a really mistake prone quarterback, but it's also a quarterback that I know, scheme be damned, can win me a football game if he needs to win me a football game. And Brock Purdy is just not that guy, and neither is Sam Darnold, by the way. Um, it's just it; they just don't have that because it's this whole "I can build the system and we can just put the quarterback in it and it will work." We haven't really seen that work. We haven't seen that work. We just haven't. And I don't, you know, to to the to the Super Bowl level, to the "we are going to win the Super Bowl" type of level, with, which the Niners should be striving for. So. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm I'm I am concerned if I'm if I'm a Ravens fan or yeah. Niners fan. Jesus, I'm not concerned. I'm fine. <laughs> I am a Ravens fan. Everything's great.
2: Everything's good. Nothing bad can happen. Not um, a, um, nothing bad can happen at all. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question, Antonio. I, it, it's a kind of one of those double edged sword things where, like, like if you put Purdy back in and he do, after Darnold scores and he does throw like a fifth interception that doesn't seem great either and but i I, it's it's so weird because it's hard to even kind of figure out what shanahan's goals were at the end of this game like if he was interested in winning the game uh how he used his timeouts and (laughs) just all, all everything that involved that after darnold gets sacked and they don't take a timeout and then then he's taking timeouts when the Ravens have the ball up 14. I was just like, what are you trying to accomplish here? So, I don't know. I can't I can't speak for the mind of Kyle Shanahan of exactly sort of what his goal was. But I, I'm, I'm with Tim. I, I'm definitely concerned. I think I'd probably lean. I would have. If you think Purdy is your guy, I do think you probably have to or should have put him back in. But I also see the value of just being like, but that's why I'm saying I don't know, like, what his goals were, because if you're just like, yeah, we're going to lose this game, we're throwing in the towel and playing Sam Darnold, like, that's fine. But then, like, they were actively also trying to win still based on the way Shanahan was doing things. So it, it was very confusing all, all the way around. And, and I, yeah, I I agree. I... I would say it could it could throw uh, a team like the Niners off, uh, Tim. Except we'll get to it in the gambling section. They play the Washington Commanders this week, so I think mm-hmm. I think B- B- Brock Purdy's going to start and be a okay and probably throw for five touchdowns and the MVP race will get stupid again. Um, but uh, yeah, it was a very very odd game and a very a very Kyle Shanahan a reminder of some of the kyle shanahan things watching this and watching the niners a full niners game uh which i don't you know always do unless they're in prime time Of being like oh yeah he does some weird stuff from time to time
1: all right a, a few more uh intangibles to to check off here uh, i mentioned this uh vaguely at the top this is the seventh game where the ravens have scored 30 or more points they now have the number five scoring offense and the number one scoring defense I think that's pretty good to winning football games if you're doing both of those things at that level. Um, I thought the Ravens could have finished this game off, like, officially, much earlier than they actually did. Um, They have a fourth and one uh, from the one in the first half early, and they go for it, and they give it to Edwards, the bus, and he gets a yard, and they score a touchdown. And then you're in the second half, and the score is 30 to 12 it's an 18 point game and you have the exact same scenario uh and they kick a field goal to make it from 18 points a three score game to 21 points a three score game it's a yard go try to get it if you get it to four scores late in you know in the second half the game is over if you don't get it they still need multiple touchdowns, and they will now have to go 99 yards to get one of them. Like, I, I really didn't like that decision. I didn't like it specifically because they went for it. They In the same situation, they did go for it. I don't think there's a difference between can we get a yard in the first half as opposed to in the second half. Like, I, I run the same play. Hated the third down play, by the way. Like, one of the worst Lamar like delay sneaks like I don't know what what that is he's not big (laughs) enough to be doing that type of play I think they should have just done the Edwards run on third down and but anyway um, that was a little disappointing it was a little like the only way that they let the team back into the game is by keeping this at this score like you've been aggressive because you know the scenario keep being aggressive Um, so I didn't like that But, but we'll see how they handle a similar a similar situation And then the last thing, Brock Purdy, I've mentioned it enough times, but, uh, started the night minus 200 as the MVP favorite. He ended the night benched for Sam Darnold and now the fifth best MVP favorite tied for Dak Prescott, who like also had that Bills, that Bills Cowboys game that, that wasn't so good. And then also then lost to the Dolphins. So what a night for Brock Purdy, um. But that's what happens when you face when you face the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, anything else from this game, guys? Before we turn to the NFL.
3: Um, yeah, just quickly. I'm fine with the safety call. I think the refs. I think the refs were objectively terrible again. Um, uh, is it Vinovich? Is that crew? Love seeing his big fat old face on TV, and that's fine. He was celebrating Christmas with the people he loves most other referees so that that's completely fine (laughs) good for him but um the safety call i'm completely fine with because uh lamar shouldn't have been running back i've i've heard like and look i i get it and i've heard this like well lamar jackson's the one player who could escape that and that's fine And, and and totally i get it and look if we lost by two points i'm might be barking up a different tree but in but in the moment I was screaming at the TV, not at the referees, which I'm doing a lot, by the way, during these games. I'm screaming at Lamar Jackson to get rid of the ball and stop trying to do the hero stuff that he was doing. Literally running back 20 yards and then tripping over a referee. Referees shouldn't be tripping in that position, but also you turned field when you were going right. All of a sudden pivot left because you're Lamar Jackson and you can do that on the dime. It happens. It's your fault. You should have gotten rid of the ball. And I thought that I was in the right there. And then I immediately checked Twitter as I'm in that commercial break going, you know, going, using the, the restroom and, and looking at Twitter as you do because my mind has to have constant stimulation like everybody else in 2023, soon to be 2024. And I was the only person that thought that, apparently, according to the entire world of Elon Musk Twitter. It was just, <laughs> everybody was like, that's ridiculous. I hate refs. And like, I'm usually all over the bandwagon of ban referees. They stink. That one I couldn't agree with, um, and but all in all, the reason Antonio did not bring it really, bring it up in his notes for, for the most part is it didn't matter because the Ravens played well without it. So you know, good to see that as well.
2: Yeah, with that that seventh game with thirty plus points, Antonio really jumps out to me. And, and you know, I think we've had so, some complaints at times, but uh, with the Todd Munkin offense, it can sometimes still get weird. They could get bogged down, but I mean that's still pretty good and it got me to thinking uh how many times they scored 30 points last season our final year under greg roman and the answer was twice they scored 30 points in week two and they scored 30 points in week three and they never scored 30 points again the entire rest of the 2022 season um so yeah the offenses <laughs> by the measure of scoring points which is maybe reductive but uh I don't care. It's the most important stat <laughs> for an offense. Uh, they've taken a huge step forward this season, so that that's been very nice to see. I kind of agree with you on that. That fourth down, I thought it was kind of weird and a weird about face, but I also get the value in making it a twenty-one point game because you keep blowing these leads. But then, like you said. You there's even less fear of blowing leads if you just extend the score even more. <laughs> so that that was kind of strange, too. Uh, so I'm with you there. The only final thing, we touched on the Florio stuff, uh, but clearly the Ravens liked being underdogs in this game and, and took it personally and heard the noise from him specifically in the media at large about being underdogs. And the one thing I hate about how well they played is they're not going to be an underdog again the entire rest of the season. Nope. Even if they get all the way to the Super Bowl, they will be favored in that game, uh, I'd have to think. And I I hate that. I <laughs> we, We've we talked a lot about how we love our Ravens at 1 p.m. A 1 p.m. game where we're a two-point underdog at home. That's like the ideal uh, Ravens get a victory formula. And now it's gone. Um, so they'll be favored all the rest of the way. So. You know, uh, we we talked last week, or I think I did, about like the pressure of expectations, and what made this game so fun was I expected them to lose, and instead they kicked butt. Uh, <laughs> and um, now they will be favored, though uh, I would think every game they play the rest of the year. And God willing, it's into February. We'll see. But uh, um, yeah, the the, the underdog. Uh, it was fun for
1: a week, but they will not be underdogs again. I, I want to be let's be honest I was bothered I'm afraid of that same exact thing I will say that out <laughs> loud but I'm the the one seeds succeeding in the postseason the last several years like that has been a trend one and two seeds like they're the ones that go to the Super Bowl in each conference more and more often so I'm a little bit more comfortable slightly more comfortable with it uh, than I would be than I would be maybe another Uh, eras of my life maybe if you turn to like middle school me you know i'd be like no no wild card for me all day let's go joe flacco on the road uh uh nothing nothing gives me more confidence well what gives me fear now is joe flacco on the road uh (laughs) on a different team for the cleveland browns as we go to the nfl here um let's talk afc north Quickly first. We know the Ravens have the one seed at the moment. We know they control their own fate, all that stuff. We will get into that a little bit more in the playoff scenarios. But the AFC North, topsy turvy. Again, Jace Evans has tried to be right with these teams in the North, and they have let him down once again because the Bengals, after seemingly having taken a bit of a hold of third place, I'll say, in the division. They get just blown blown out by the Pittsburgh Steelers that we wrote off and have written off like six different times <laughs> this season. It's been odd. Um, Bengals now kind of struggling to see if they can grab a wild card spot. The Steelers somehow still alive for that. And then the Browns um, continue to win with Joe frickin' Flacco, and we can only hate it so much because it's Joe Flacco, but he is legitimately... Slinging the ball all over the field, and they look good on offense and on defense. And I'm conflicted about a potential playoff game with the wild card Browns with Flacco coming into play. The Ravens in whatever round it may be. Uh, but I guess we'll start with Jace because it's unfortunately Jace. You've been you've been like having to deal with this week in week out. But where are you now with the uh, with the AFC North? Uh. I'm lost. I'm
2: still lost. Antonio. I, I, the, the Flacco thing has went from being like, Oh, good for you to like now a legitimate concern kind of, as you were saying, and God willing, it's the wild card Browns. Somehow there's still a path for the Browns to be the one seed in the AFC. They are currently the only team that isn't the Ravens or the dolphins who has a shot at the one seed. The chiefs do not after they lost on Sunday. Uh, the AFC South has eliminated themselves by just <laughs> losing, I think for three straight weeks, all, all three teams at the top. Um, but yeah, the AFC North, weirdly competitive, and um, I, I guess the Steelers, you mentioned, they score 30 points for the first time all season. The fans are chanting Mason Rudolph's name for, uh, unironically, as he, he he and George Pickens light up the Bengals. I, I didn't see that one coming, and, and I think, I don't know, I still think it says more about the Bengals. Um, so the Bengals are 0-5 in the AFC North this season. They won the division each of the last two years, but... Uh, they're 0-5 in division this year. One game against the Browns left remaining. So, uh, And they're only 3-7, I want to say, in the AFC. So they have the longest of shots to make the playoffs just based on tiebreakers because they have done themselves no favors uh, by not winning a division game uh, to this point. So yeah, um, currently, after one week after seeming like the Bengals were probably one of the best teams, uh, they, they've basically kind of lost their way. Out of making the playoffs, barring they need a lot to go their way. So yeah, I guess you have to put the Bengals at the bottom of the pecking order. I still don't know what to do with the Steelers, and yeah, the, the Browns it just doesn't it doesn't make sense anymore. Mari Cooper a single game receiving record against the Texans for the Browns franchise that's seventy years old. Uh, Flacco has three three hundred yard games in a row. It's very confusing. I don't get it. Um, and yeah, like I said, they're the Browns. <laughs> can somehow still win the AFC North, the Ravens, despite being 12 and three and seeming like they have no, no shot, the Ravens lose out, the Browns win out, the Browns are the AFC North champions, so um, there's still work to do, the Ravens cannot rest, because it's not finished yet, and the Browns played the Jets on Thursday, and the Bengals team we just mentioned that hasn't beat an AFC North team all year, so yeah, it's, It's coming down to the wire and I hate it and I don't get it, but um, could Flacco throw like four picks against the Jets on Thursday and lose that game? Sure he can. I'm sure it's in him. He's still throwing picks. every. He threw two more picks in that Texans game. I didn't really watch it. I just saw some of the highlights, but um, yeah, it's it's weird and I hate that somehow to have the best record in the league with two weeks to go. The Niners clinched their division two weeks ago. The Ravens kicked their butt on Monday night and yet we're still kind of sitting around hoping we can close out a uh, close out our division. It doesn't make sense. I hate it, but that's, that's where we are. The AFC North is good. You know, the Niners have four losses and three of them are to AFC North teams. So it's kind of just that year. It's the best division in football. I I guess you have to say,
3: so I guess there's that. We're battle hardened. You could say the Ravens are (laughs) everything. Jay said, um, God bless Joe Flacco, but I really hope he starts to Joe Flacco sometime soon. When yeah, sooner rather
1: than later would be
2: would yeah. Be just preferred. lose to okay. just lose to the Jets. Just like it. we win if the the Browns lose on Thursday. Just go
3: full Jets. The just Ravens
2: go, are AFC North champs, but
1: when they take the field against the Dolphins, well, just wait. Just wait till we get to my picks uh, later. So, well, I'm picking. I'm picking against the Jets. So how uh, this has gone for me, that might be the perfect perfect <laughs> recipe. Um. Okay, let's look at the playoff scenario. Ravens, one seed, bang, bye. I like it. The current layout for the matchups is Dolphins, Colts, Chiefs, Bills in round one, and then Jags, the corpse of the Jacksonville Jaguars, if they're even still in that spot, against the Cleveland Browns. And obviously that can change as well a little <laughs> bit, but if you are a Ravens fan... uh in the last five years, for the last five years, you have to love Chiefs, Bills. One of them has to knock the other one out before the Ravens have to face either of them. Um, I'm just curious as to your guys' assessment. At this point, are we just like, you know what? We're better than all of these teams. Whatever. Play the Raven game at home. You're going to win whoever it is. Or, uh, I'd rather not have to face, let's say, both the Chiefs and the Bills in the playoffs if they can... uh, have a head-to-head there
3: i'll go quick here no one remembers who you played in the playoffs if you won the super bowl give me give me the freaking like the colts give me whoever it is the the jaguars or whoever the hell wins the afc south if it's not the colts i guess they're in there too give me the easiest run possible i don't have the playoff machine in front of me it's been down for a week as well so nothing you can really do about that easiest road possible Knock them both out. One of them knocks out the other one, and then you play the corpse of the other one. That's fine with me. I you got to play tough teams in the NFL playoffs. Obviously, you're gonna have to beat some big teams. You're gonna be stressed out. I I'm not going with the. Well, oh, we're better than everybody. We could take them on anyway. Even if that is true, I want the least resistance possible till you get to Las Vegas and the and the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I I would rather see. You know, giving them together, putting them together so one of them goes, that's probably best-case scenario. Or they both get upset by Joe Flacco, who then turns into a pumpkin, and Gardner Minshew, who has one good game. And then those two teams are going into the next round of the playoffs. Like I would prefer that than having either of these teams anywhere near the Baltimore Ravens and, God willing, MIT stadium
2: yeah, I have some residual scarring, I guess, a little bit, Tim, from 2019, when I was like, yes, the Titans, what a good team to play, and then they Fair lost. Enough. Uh, but that being said, yeah, I'd love one of the Chiefs and Bills to get knocked out in the first round, uh, taking each other out. And I think the craziest thing is, would w- which team would you go? I think I'd rather play the Chiefs. <laughs> like, yeah. I think that's, like, based on what we saw, have seen, and I... Like, that game on Monday, so that was obviously, I think, the biggest story of uh, Christmas that before the Ravens kicked off was just, like, things have not been good obviously for the Chiefs this year Antonio but this felt like a new low I mean we we were texting about it throughout the day and it the, like CBS showed at one point that Aiden O'Connell in his last they they were like Aiden O'Connell in his last 10 one for 10 for one yard and I believe he didn't complete a pass after the first quarter and it just felt like the Chiefs were like somehow never really close in this game despite the fact that the Raiders like, could not move the ball. <laughs> and it's been a baffling year for them. And, you know, I mean, the Bills, they didn't look much more impressive in almost losing to the Chargers on Saturday night. Um, out in L.A., a Chargers team that fired their coach and gave up 63 points to the Raiders the week before. Um, so I, I don't know that they're necessarily firing on all cylinders, but I'd still say, on the whole, it just it feels like Buffalo is playing better than Kansas City. And I'm kind of curious, like, your thoughts on that game and just, which, if you had to play one, who'd you rather play? Because it feels wrong to say, I'd want to play Patrick Mahomes. He still scares me a little bit, uh, but just that, something's just wrong. Something's off, and it it feels like they'd really have to come together suddenly to make a
1: Super Bowl run again. The Chiefs thing, man, is... It's like the the cycle of, like, a bad relationship, and then, you know, it starts off, and you have this, everything is great and flowery and amazing, and then, like, when it's bad, when it's gotten, like, as bad as it's ever gonna get, it's the whole, like, can you pass the catch-up? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah, I can pass the catch-up. Oh, like, I'm not able to pass the catch-up? Obviously I can pass the catch-up. It's like, oh my gosh. That's what the Chiefs offense It like, it was this perfect, beautiful thing that was unguardable and creative, and... The players are, like, designing their own plays during the week. And then, oh, everybody's having fun. Everybody's got a say in this. And now it's just like everybody just hates each other. And the (laughs) plays that they try to create lead to the worst turnovers possible. Their defense has gotten better. And the offense has, like, gotten that much worse. Like, not only can they not score, they're directly giving points to the other team. The Chiefs defense plays like, amazing. And they're still down two scores. Like, I... And I say all of this, and, uh, oh, I almost went back to the relationship parallel and said maybe something that would be inappropriate, but I'll put it this way. Even those worst relationships, like, they somehow have those very fiery moments when you least expect them, and that's what I'm afraid of for the Kansas City Chiefs, is they get to the postseason, they've looked ugly all year, and then it's just Mahomes heater time, and they have a game where their receivers don't have six drops They they catch the balls that are actually thrown directly at their hands, and then the Mahomes is you know sprinting all over the field after touchdowns, like jumping up and down. I think I'm still afraid of that. The Bills, their defense is not good. First of all, we like kinda know that they have a lot of injuries. Josh Allen will he is who he is. He will make ridiculously bad plays multiple times a game. You can like kind of bank that in. and, you know, you'd be playing them at home. I I think I'm still, bring me the Bills. I don't know. It's like their flaws are more consistent, whereas the Chiefs won. I, I won't believe it until I see it that they have a clunker in the postseason and get knocked out in the first round. So, um, yeah, I, I think it's still, still, bills, still bills for me. <laughs> um, what I would like is what I'm trying to think of, like, what's the best team for that seven seed? to, like, pick off the Dolphins in the first... I think it's got to be Steelers, and I hate myself. Oh, my God. It's like, oh, they put up the perfect, like, defensive matchup, and Watt is just getting to Tua over and over and over again, and their Dolphins are down 10, and they lose the ability to complete a forward pass, like kind of what happened in that Titans game late in the second half there. Um, Getting a bit ahead of myself, obviously. The Ravens still have some things to do to get the one seed. Um... But I tell you what, with this win over the 49ers, now the Ravens can lose to Miami, beat the Steelers, and if Miami doesn't take care of business against the Bills, which will be a very difficult game for them, the Ravens going to pop right back into that one seed. So I, I do like uh, I do like where we're at. Um, things still have to, you know, go as they go, but I do not predict the Bills. or Sorry, do not predict the Dolphins to, uh, to beat the Bills in that last game of the year. So I think the Ravens are in the driver's seat for a one seed and just let the other teams uh, clash, uh, get the sword wounds and the injuries and the banged <laughs> up, and then we get to re- try to relive a different version of 2019 all over. Those are going to be a fun two weeks, by the way. If that does oh. end up happening, maybe the most tense two weeks that, that Baltimore has had <laughs> in a very long time. Yeah. Um, Anything else, guys, on the NFL before we uh, turn it over to this Ravens-Dolphins game?
3: Uh, just, just a couple things. One, um, good job on the slate. Having football <laughs> over the holidays is great. You know, just having something to, something to watch, something to turn on, something to, to share with with other people that you're with. I think is fantastic. Um, and I love football; it's it's amazing. Second, um, we might have witnessed the the early premature demise of another Patriots dynasty with the way that they lost, or excuse me, I say lost because in winning against the Denver Broncos in the most ridiculous way possible with Chad Ryland, he a turp, by the way, missing so many field goals and extra points and then coming up huge with a 56-yard field goal in the final seconds. The Patriots beat the Broncos on... What was that? That was Sunday Night Football. All the days are screwed up now. On Sunday Night Football, they win 26-23 to 23 in a wild topsy-turvy game. And after basically having the second pick, at least the second pick on lock, to take either Caleb Williams or Drake May, they are now in the fourth pick, dropping um, below in the order Arizona and the Commanders. And almost certainly not going to finish with the top two picks. So New England's not going to have a quarterback that we all have to dread now and it just made me so so goddamn happy when i saw that they won a pointless game and it god willing it means they're going back to the same place we've always wanted them since tom brady retired since we started this podcast not bad just fine just mediocre eight and nine for the rest of your lives and it looks (laughs) like that's where they're headed
2: yeah, it, it is funny because, like, in some respects, I'm like teams with the quarterbacks are so hit and miss. Where you're like, you might be better served just drafting like Marvin Harrison, <laughs> Jr. Which they like might, this. which they might do now. Well, and so. they might get, and I'm like, well, that would suck to have for him to just be on New England, and then you think. Well, Bailey Zappi's their quarterback, so that, <laughs> I'm not so worried about you know Marvin Harrison Jr. lighting the Ravens up if his quarterback's Bailey Zappi. So yeah, I'm with you, Tim. It was it was a, a nice little Christmas uh, Christmas Eve sort of present to to all of us for the Pats to to f- fall out of it and, and shout out to our commanders fan friends. I know a lot uh, listed a real stealth tank to get a, a top three pick currently kind of coming out of nowhere. But uh, remember when they beat us in the preseason, wasn't that funny? Uh, <laughs> biggest preseason, whenever uh, congrats on the draft and yeah, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy a very good player. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. For the Pats, I, I like refuse to believe that they were actually going to fire Belichick and then winning two of the last three games now I'm kind of convinced that they have told Belichick that he will be gone and so he's doing the like guess I don't care now like just (laughs) go going for wins so um yeah way to way to handle that New England um all right let's get back to teams that matter huh uh let's talk about the Ravens Hmm. minus three and a half point favorites at home against the Miami Dolphins I'll be honest every time I see this game on the schedule I get the flashbacks to last season's collapse. What was it a 24 point, uh, 21 least, point fourth quarter collapse? Yeah. It was a lot of <laughs> points without a lot of time left in the game. Um, and the Dolphins didn't even need all the time to complete the comeback, which was maybe the more frustrating part of it. A lot of blown coverages, a lot of Tyreek Hill just in acres of space. This is not that team. Uh, this is a different defense. It has different players. It has Roquan Smith. It you know, they had their their issues in the first half of that season and then were miles better in the second half after acquiring Smith. They've been amazing this year. So I'm convincing myself that this is not that team, that they're not going to struggle with Tua, who I don't like and don't think is very good. I think he's not a very good thrower of the football. Um, I think he's very fortunate to have speedy talent all over the place. I hope I improved right this time, because he had uh, a pretty awesome day when they were... Um, in Baltimore last year for that game with the comeback. Um, let's start with the Ravens' offense against the Dolphins' defense. Um, Jace, if, you know, I my memory of this defense is that it has been very bad. But I think I'm looking at I think I'm looking at like the September October span and they've actually been a bit better. So I'm like slightly more worried now about <laughs> the legitimacy uh, of the Dolphins' defense.
2: Yeah, I think this is the the, the matchup that's going to get overshadowed by just the, the kind of high power nature of, you know, the number one scoring offense versus the number one scoring defense uh, for our, our Ravens. But, uh, yeah, the Dolphins' defense has gotten steadily better kind of throughout the season. Um, certainly improved from when they gave up 48 points to the Bills. That was kind of their low-water mark on October 1st. But they, they've gotten steadily better. It's improved, like jalen ramsey coming back's help but what they do kind of really well is they get uh they get after the passer they're second in the league in sacks and even though they lost jalen phillips for the year they they still seem to be able to get a good bit of pressure and they're they're only two sacks behind the ravens who lead the league with 54 sacks the dolphins have 52 um and obviously vic fangio their defensive coordinator who the ravens have had various run-ins with in the past um uh, during his time as a coordinator and head coach. So, I don't think this will be easy, and I think it's going to be another good test uh, for the Ravens' offense. I don't know that, you know, the Dolphins' defense has maybe quite the flash of the, the 49ers' unit, but they've been really solid and uh, getting better. So, I think, you know, they, they kind of hold the Cowboys in check a little bit. I didn't get to watch a ton of that game on uh, on Christmas Eve, but um, yeah, it. I, There's at least the Ravens have to bring their A game because it's not going to be, I think, just an an easy game from that from on that side of the ball.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, and Vic Fangio has kind of been the guy who, you know, is has figured everything out for them. Watch out for Jalen Ramsey, turnover machine. Um, You know, I'm not telling you anything you don't know here with this. If if the Ravens' offense plays the way the Ravens' offense has for a very long time, uh, we should be okay. And if if Lamar kind of just does what he did against a better defense in the 49ers, makes the plays where he needs to, but doesn't get too crazy and finds that fine balance, I'm not really worried about the offensive side of the football. It's the other side where I'm not necessarily worried, but there, there's going to be your battle of wits. How about
1: defensively? For the Ravens against this Dolphins offense. I mean, Tyreek Hill was banged up. He has since returned. But now Jalen Waddell with an ankle uh, issue suffered in that Cowboys game. We don't have a ton of info on the severity. The, the last thing that I saw was, uh, oh yeah, it, it it's looking like a high ankle. I've lost all sense of what a high ankle injury is in the NFL. Anyway, he might he might be deceased. He might be dead. Uh, or they might have to amputate the foot, or he will just play against the Ravens, and I really have no idea. So um, I would prefer to have one less very talented speedster on the field for this Dolphins offense. I'm not sure if we're going to see it, um, but assuming that they are at relatively full strength, uh, how do you see this, this matchup going between, as Jace mentioned, number ones uh, head-to-head?
2: So you you mentioned last year's game, and I, I did dare to look it up, Antonio. So uh, in, in last year's matchup, uh, Jalen Waddell had 11 receptions for 171 yards and two touchdowns, and Tyree Kill had 11 receptions for 190 yards and two touchdowns, <laughs> as the Ravens did blow a 21-point fourth-quarter lead. Um, now, I agree with you. This is a different team. That was game two of Mike McDonald. Um they they uh, have, have made a lot of changes in the secondary. Roquan Smith was not on that team. Uh, I think it's improved for the better. Their pass rush is certainly better than it was in that game. Um and uh so I still have concerns for that. You certainly hope there's lessons learned. But even though that's I think on paper, obviously the like kind of attention grabbing matchup and stuff. I think what actually concerns me is uh the running game. The Dolphins are a pretty good rushing team. They're they're fifth in the league in yards. Uh, per game on the ground. Most just had a pretty solid season, um, right up there with McCaffrey, I believe, in terms of like touchdowns or rushing touchdowns, anyway. Um, and uh, we're down to 12th against the run. I know we've been talking about the Ravens' run defense and how sometimes it doesn't like because I thought they were pretty good on Sunday, too, or like how somehow the stats never seem to confirm. What we think we've talked about that, I thought they were pretty good, but McCaffrey did get his so we mentioned a 14 for 103 for him, and uh, you know i I think could have certainly been more if the 49ers ran the ball more, so obviously Mike McDaniel, the shanahan guy was their was their o c right before he came over, so it's a lot of similar ideas and concepts and stuff, and so I think if they run the ball a lot. I, I, that's kind of what what actually concerns me more than even in the, the Tyreek and Waddle and Tua connection because I'm with you Antonio I'm not a am not a Tua believer uh Talia better and uh you know I I I just uh I don't know I I feel like they can't do what they did in that game, which is, what, 22 catches for 300 yards, over 300 yards, and four touchdowns from last season. It just seems like that's not going to happen again. So I think that's where, for me, the if they can stop him on the ground, I actually think that'll be kind of the the more kind of key critical
3: matchup. There's going to be, like, four people that listen to this podcast that get the turp joke that Jace just made in that <laughs> rant, and three of them are on this call, so I appreciate that other one person listening uh, that – you know, if you don't get it, maybe rewind 30 seconds and see if you can catch it cuz that was that was fantastic. Um for me it's you know, it, it is the battle of the guys that I keep mixing up with McDonald and McDaniel. And I think that I th- it's interesting you point out, obviously McDaniel comes from that San Francisco system. Um it's a little bit different. Obviously the weapons are a little bit different. It's more of a speed game rather than like you know, a power type of kind of thing. It, this is all you know, very lazy fan narratives, but this is kind of what you see when you watch the games. And I just wonder how much McDaniel is going to learn from seeing his former team and his mentor essentially and what he can take from that of because they are so similar. Okay, the Ravens did this, how can I exploit that? How can I do things differently? And on the other side, how can Mike McDonald, knowing that he just bested, you know, Shanahan, what does he do with the Padawan? What does he do with Mike McDaniel? What what how does he play the game of, okay, I showed them this. How do we adjust to this? Because I know how do we adjust to what Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins offense is going to adjust to, if that makes sense. And I think it's going to be really interesting. I also think that the running game you mentioned, Jace, look, the Ravens have given up a lot of a lot of yards on the ground recently, and they give up plays over the middle a little bit, but they get off the field, man. Like they have 54 sacks and they have 26 takeaways, both rank first in the National Football League. Um, after the game against San Francisco, they get off the field. They know how to change games with plays like that. Sacks are huge. Like pressures are great. Sacks are the thing that actually end drives. Same thing with takeaways. And I think that being able to do those two things uh, will be will be really important. And I mentioned the run game because. I think it was it Greg Olson on this game um, over over the Christmas holiday, the Cowboys-Dolphins game, and I think he made a really good point. of The Dolphins do run the ball effectively, but they don't really run it up the middle. They're very much a stretch team. They're going to get out to the edges. They're going to you know, stretch the field, and they got Raheem Mostert and Devon a. Chan, who are two basically track athletes in the backfield. They're going to try and get to the corner and try and beat you to the corner. How quickly can Roquan Smith... <clears throat> Patrick Queen and Kyle Hamilton get to the corner. I think it's going to be super, super, super important. And, you know, I believe in our guys. And I think that our defensive line against their offensive line is a total mismatch in in favor of Baltimore. Um, But that'll be be important. Stopping that outside run game and adjusting to what Mike McDaniel and the Dolphins offense adjusts to off a scheme that is similar to theirs. I think it's going to be very important.
1: It's boy. It's so useful from a confidence perspective. Having that 49ers game coming right before this one, that would have been the the tape for us to be like, wow. Against very good pieces going laterally, the Ravens struggled, but they didn't. They blew yeah. plays up over and over and over again, and I I don't even know if it was so much of, oh the Ra- the Ravens linebackers are fast getting to the edge. It was more of just like they read the play. They did the job they're supposed to do, the edge set the edge, and they executed and then made tackles, went gang tackles with a lot of players involved. Seeing that has given me as much faith as I can possibly have in what I huh, kind of view as a gadget offense that the Dolphins, right, yeah, no, no disrespect, no disrespect, but I kind of view it as a gadget offense. That within the pocket, Tua is a different guy when he has to do a seven-step drop and find a guy in a tight space. Um, and I think that's what the Ravens make them do. Um, any intangibles, guys? Final intangibles before we get to our picks.
2: Well, this is a hat and t-shirt game, Antonio. Uh, as mentioned, I guess the Browns could do us a solid and just lose to the Jets, and the Ravens would be AFC North champs. J-E-T. But I. But but I don't I, you know I don't want to rely on the Jets I don't want to rely on the Bills not Billsing it up the way they have so many times this season and having to beat the Dolphins if they just go out and they beat the Dolphins they win the AFC North they win the number one seed and you can sit everyone you want against the Steelers you could basically take two three full weeks off um, you could debate if that's good or not but don't whatever don't do that don't yeah. do that. uh, regardless, I still just wrap it all up. Don't leave anything to any other team's requirements or chance, but I'm optimistic. They, you know, they won't have this kind of emotional letdown after kind of such a big game of the, the two top seeds are uh, in in the NFL going against each other. And, And, the reason for that is mainly, mostly tied to comments Lamar made after the game. Uh, He he brought up 2019 and how they didn't, quote, finish the season uh, in his press conference. And when he was breaking down the huddle, which, you know, that was kind of a cool video, Tim. You mentioned watching all the videos of uh, Lamar, the team chanting MVP, and John Harbaugh also doing it. Uh, You know, that was cool. But when he broke down the huddle, Lamar said, we're going to take this one game at a time. We want to stay locked in. Our goal is to make it to February, not just the playoffs. We're trying to go further. So, I don't know. It seems like he has the right mentality. It doesn't seem like he cares much about the MVP debate at all. I mean, maybe that's a flippant thing to say. I'm sure players care, but when you've already won it once, like it's almost just like, oh, cool, great. <laughs> uh, but clearly, he, he's kind of motivated by winning, uh, at least in most of his comments, and really winning the Super Bowl. I think it eats at him, the the, the one one and three in the playoffs. Um, and... As you mentioned, I think it was you, Antonio. Uh, the one seeds in the era of one buy, uh, what one of them have gotten to the Super Bowl every year in the three years we've been doing it. So it's been, ve- or uh, two, of- or most of the years. I think maybe that Bengals year didn't. But it's very important uh, to get the one seed now when there's only two of them, uh, even more than usual. So. I think this is huge. Uh, The weather shouldn't be too bad. High of 50, low of 38. Uh, But, uh, you know, uh, the the Dolphins probably playing in South Florida. That doesn't seem like it will impact them too much it not being that, that cold. Uh, But we know how we play when it's cold. So it's good it's not going to be that cold. It's not supposed to rain. Uh, So that's good. I say, yeah, I, I, I like their mentality, it seems, coming into this game. And I hope they just lock in and win because... You can save yourself a lot of stressing about scenarios. You don't need to if you just go out, you beat the Dolphins, and you basically are, it's playoff time officially at that point. You already have a playoff spot, but you know your seed, you know you're the division champs. you can celebrate, and you don't even really have to play all that hard in Week 18 <laughs> if you don't want. So yeah, I, I feel like that ha- that should be a very motivating factor to just go out, send another message against a good team who... I guess if I have one other intangible, it's the Dolphins finally beat a team with a winning record, and it's the Cowboys team that can't win a game on the road, uh, and all their numbers that we talked about, while impressive, have come against the literal weakest schedule in the AFC, 418 uh, winning percentage, I believe, in their strength of schedule, so um, yeah, they mostly have beaten bad teams still, and also the Cowboys, who can't win on the road, so... Uh, it seems like the Ravens are a better team after what we just saw against the Niners, so go prove that. That is my message to the Ravens.
1: And the Dolphins just, I mean, squeaking out a game against those Cowboys, as you mentioned. Jason, I'm buying. I'm buying all of that. Uh, I am taking the Ravens. Minus three and a half. I'm just, I'm mad at myself. I'm mad at me because I almost wanted to take them in that 49ers game with all those free points to work with, and I didn't. So I'm just not, I can't, I'm not, am not i am not staying away from them. Um, I'm attacking them. I'm taking that line three and a half. I don't even think that's that bad of a, of a number for the Ravens at home with this win streak, with the confidence, with the points, with the number one defense, um, the hat and t-shirt thing, the, the crowd will know that they will be loud. And I can see a lot of the two, uh, with the hands on the head, not being able to hear the play call and false starts and timeouts and all that stuff. Um, I went one and two last week because I didn't take the Ravens. You know that's on me. That's on me. Um, Twenty and twenty-eight on the season. It's been a dogfight, but uh, I'm just gonna go undefeated from here on out, and that's <laughs> that's what you need, and that's how you're gonna make it work. Uh, so I'm taking the Ravens minus three and a half, and then two other picks for you here. <sighs> Tim and I have, I don't know, we've alternated weeks of just falling for rat lines. And I think, <laughs> what, are both of us are falling for this one, I think? I think uh, so, yeah. It's, it's the Bucks minus three at yeah. home <laughs> against the New Orleans Saints. Tim, this line doesn't make any sense. doesn't make the sense. The Bucks have won four straight. They've scored 29, 34, and 30 in their last three games. They beat the Saints in New Orleans 26-9 to nine earlier in the season. <laughs> They're the only team in the South with a winning record, and it's only three points. Uh, it stinks. I hate it. I'm taking Bucks minus three, not going to overthink it, and then a tease. Three teams, six points. I'm taking the Browns, of course, down to minus one. They are, I mean, the defense is dominant at home. Flacco's been Flacco. Um I just—they're a better team than the New York Football Jets. They have a better quarterback than the New York Football Jets, and their defense is electric and plays well at home. Browns to minus one uh, against the Jets. Rams to point five on the road at the Giants. New York showed a little bit with Tyrod Taylor uh, against the Eagles, but I—that's—we've seen Tyrod Taylor before. He puts up kind of like good halves, uh, good backup performances in in kind of spurts. And then he reverts back to, to kind of being just a career backup. The Rams fighting for a playoff spot. Um, again, it's just a better—it's a better team. It's the Rams with less than half, the less than one point, uh, having to beat the Giants. And then the 49ers. I'm moving that down to minus seven and a half uh, against the Washington Commanders. I need to confirm where that is. Okay, it's on the—it's on the East Coast, which I don't love, but uh, it's a tease, not not the straight line. So the 49ers. Coming off this Ravens game, they're still very, very good, and the Commanders are not. Can they win this game by two scores? Yes, yes, I think they can. So Browns minus one, Rams minus half a point, and 49ers minus seven and a half. Three team tees. Let's ride.
2: Uh, I guess I'll go next because I am. I'm with you on riding. Uh... The Ravens, Antonio, minus three and a half. I went against them last week, and I I, I ended up with an 0-3 week uh, to show for my efforts, Cole in my stocking. But uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I kind of am surprised, too, that the line's this. You go on the road and you beat the number one seed in the NFC that everyone thought was the best team by 14, and you come home and you're only three and a half point favorites against... As we mentioned, a team that's beaten one winning team all season. I think the Dolphins are good, but I'm I'm kind of surprised this line's not more. So, I don't know. Hopefully they don't put egg on my face, but <laughs> I'm going with the Ravens here. Uh, and then I, I'm riding with the Niners outright at the minus 13 and a half uh, line. The only concern I think I have... In this one, Antonio, is if for some reason the Commanders do end up starting Jacoby Brissett, because Sam Howe's fallen apart, and Brissett has been inserted into these games and seems to have rattled off like five or six touchdown drives uh, every time he gets put in. Uh... One of the, you know, better backups in the league, probably. But uh, if it is Sam Howell, it's, uh, you know, you're going against a team that needs to, the Niners still need to seal up the one seed. The Eagles win and kind of keep pace. The Niners have all the tiebreakers, but they have the same record. So the the Niners need to keep winning um, to get that number one seed. And uh, yeah, they're going to be mad. They're going to be mad that they got embarrassed at home, but they're going to take it out on a team that stinks and who knows its coach is getting fired. And pretty much everyone's probably out of the building. Uh, after the end of the season, and they're just playing out the string. So I'm going with the Niners, even though it's a huge line. And then uh, I'm just going with our good friends, the Pittsburgh Steelers, plus three-and-a-half-point underdogs at the Seattle Seahawks. Um, you know, Seahawks are uh, uh, currently in a playoff spot. They have the exact same record, I believe, as the Steelers. Yes, they're both 8-7. and seven. Uh, Seahawks, it's two escapes in a row. Um, but I think Mike Tomlin is inevitable, and somehow Mason Rudolph is going to put this team in a win and in scenarios uh, in week 18, I think uh, against our Ravens. So I'm riding with the Steelers there just as underdogs on the road. I, I feel like every time Tomlin gets back into a corner, it seems like he emerges. So I, I, I think he finds a way to win out with another horrible team and get yet another season in Pittsburgh while um, all his
3: fans are annoyed. So yeah, that's, that's
2: my final pick is uh, uh, the Steelers um, to
3: cover. Uh, so like Jace Owen three last week, my worst week uh, on the show 24 and 19 on the year this week. if you know me you know where I'm going Dolphins plus three and a <laughs> half Ravens win by three I mean <coughs> come on I, I'm not this, it, it's getting to a point where I'm doing this for my own weird like psychology of I'm affecting something where <laughs> I'm being negative towards the Ravens and they hear this and they come out and smack them and that's completely fine. happy to be wrong if they win. Um, so dolphins plus three and a half. I'm with I'm with Antonio on the Bucks minus three. Give me all the cheese. Give me your cheddar, your Swiss, your provolone, your Munster, your Gorgonzola, whatever you have. I'm eating all the cheese on that one. Bucks minus three at home to New Orleans. New Orleans, I bet on them to win over nine and a half games this year because I just thought the quarterbacks they were playing were absolutely ridiculous. I was high on their over uh, as we talked about you know months back before the season started, and I've been so wrong because Dennis Allen is inept at his job no person gets paid that amount of money to be so so bad and then Derek Carr is just yeah Derek Carr Baker Mayfield's playing well Mike Evans is awesome uh, the defense is getting better and bucks minus three at home just seems seems too easy so New Orleans is gonna win but you know here we are I'm gonna take it and then like Tony Teaser it, Tim Teaser is back this week for a three leg. Six-point tease. I'm taking Jags minus one at home to the Panthers. I know the Jags are bad. I know the Jags are looking really rough. I know Trevor Lawrence has every sort of injury. It's the Panthers, and I know they just had a great um, a great loss against, Bry- uh, against Jordan Love and the Green Bay Packers, and Bryce Young finally looked like an NFL player. But the Jags absolutely have to have this game. They couldn't have to have it any more than they currently do. So I'm taking Jags and essentially a pick 'em. I'm also taking the Rams in what is almost a pick 'em minus a half a point away to the New York Giants. You talk about the the West going East. Um, that can be a factor sometimes, but I'm knocking them down to minus a half a point. And Matt Stafford is playing really well. The Rams are. Fully in the playoff push, like they are trying to get to the playoffs. This team, they've been one of the best stories of the year. Tommy DeVito's done, and that that whole storyline is done with the New York Giants. They have nothing to play for anymore. And if you think about the the West to East thing being a problem, the Rams played on Thursday. They got extra rest. That's going to be fine. Give me Rams minus a half a point, and then to Jags minus one. Rams minus a half, and the Kansas City Chiefs minus one at home to Jake the Pumpkin Browning who is finally, the the spell is over. The guy is not good. We figured it out. He had a fun few weeks. Kansas City, look, it's minus one. They basically just have to beat him. I'm not taking Kansas City in a big spread. I know it might be ugly. I know they might be screaming at each other the whole time. I know they're going to show T-Swift up in the stands, saying the F-bomb, you know, insulting American dads everywhere in, in the stands when they cut to her just being passionate about her football team. God bless her. Um, Kansas don't come after us, Swifties. We love you. Kansas City minus one at home to the Cincinnati Bengals as well. So again, Jags minus one at home to the Panthers. Rams minus a half away to the Giants. Kansas City minus one at home to Cincinnati.
1: I wanted to put the Jags in the T's. I'm 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 afraid of that Lawrence stuff. Yet another yep. injury for him. He's got the knee. He's got the ankle. He's got the concussion. Now we got to add a shoulder to it. I I don't know if his status is confirm I mean I want it I want that one too Tim but I just you know what I'm not afraid with, of with that you know Jags You know what team. I'm not
3: afraid of the Carolina Panthers that's what I'm not afraid of uh,
1: alright that is going to do it for us here uh, it's been a whale of a ride a whale of a December when we actually have our our healthy starting quarterback playing meaningful football games it's fun this, this team is fun for J7s and Tim Horsey I am Antonio Barbera we will see you next week to to talk about the Dolphins game, to talk about the final week of the NFL season, the playoffs in coming. Thank you for listening to us, as always, here on Pod Like a Raven. We will see you next week.